Welcome to Breeder Syndicate. What's up, everyone? Wasabi. Hey, what's up, dude? How goes it? All right. All right, so everyone coming in. Um, the, the Northern Lights 5 stock is up on the site for the Patreon members. So if you're a Patreon member for Breeder Syndicate, you can go buy them right now. Boom, they're up. Some of you grabbed them already. And uh, yeah, so it's on riotseedco.com. If you are a part of the Patreon, you can buy the NL5 in the backstage area. But now we can talk about more important shit like history. Like, like uh, uh, what, what, what are we going to talk about, Not so. I mean, tonight might be a, a range of things, you know, mm-hmm. I, uh, we can talk a little bit about, um, NLs, uh, yeah. a little bit and, and, uh, you know, how things survive from now to then, you know, we could talk about, um, you know, we can, we're, we were thinking that we, we actually opened it up to some suggestions and there was some things about some strains that got away. There was actually some pretty good yeah. uh, questions that came in. so. Um, we're going to try to tackle some of those, you yeah. know, uh, as, you know, throughout, throughout the thing. And then, you know, um, one thing that maybe I should start with is that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we chatted about some chem history, some chem one one and stuff like that. And, you know, whenever you, whenever you tackle like a sort of a, a big and famous weed history segment, mm-hmm. right. You're going to get a lot of debate. Right. Yeah. Uh, which is good. I like the master good, debaters, you know, too. and you want different people to be able to contribute and you want people to come up and say things. But then you're always going to get people that are that are going to pick apart one section that they feel is incorrect mm-hmm. or what often happens. And uh, CSI and I are, were actually talking about this last night is that, you know, on some level, when you want to figure out the history, it's like which semi untrustworthy person do you lean more towards? Yeah. Right. And there's there's an aspect of that where it's like it's very difficult to have a situation where you feel like one person is totally angelic and honest in every facet. And this is how it is. And there's not debate. So, yeah, debate is good. You know, Um, (laughs) this guy just said he met Don the Indian recently. He's been dead for a while. So, but, you know, that there's an aspect to it where it was like you anytime there's anybody famous or even semi-famous, uh, especially if, if it's, it's, it's hard to like determine who they are, you're always yeah. going to get, there's not just fake cuts, there's fake people. Oh yeah. Right. Or the second DJ short, you know, or yeah, there's, yeah. there's, you know, in any kind of famous lineage, there'll be like an accepted story and there's one or two guys in the corner screaming that it's bullshit and it all came from me yeah. or whoever, you know? And so, what you try to do is you try to like, you try to like corroborate information from different people 
and you try to see, you know, and, uh, you know, there's, there was an aspect to it too, because one of the aspects about ChemFam, for instance, is that, uh, you know, a lot of the most outspoken people when it comes to Kem's story um, didn't have all that, that much to do with it. Yeah. You know, and then, so you get some people out of the woodwork and stuff like that and you get, and, you know, and you try to tell a story and of course there's, there's parts and people are going to remember things differently. And that's not really the, that's not really the, the, that's not really an issue, right? Because it's all about like, that's what like science, right? Science is right until it's wrong. Yeah. And then it adjusts itself to the new reality. So like when you're doing history, it's not so much that you're wrong or you're lying. If you get a part mistaken, it's that you might need more nuance. So you might have, there might be some stuff that you don't say because you think it's too out there. Yeah. And it's not not corroborated enough, you know? And, um, and you know, and how do you do that? And so like part of the, part of the thing we're trying to do with, with most of this stuff is that we actually don't have a personal tie to any kind of like big profit motive behind it. No. You know, I don't have some like secret chem line that's all about to be released or anything like that. Like there, there's an aspect of history for history's sake. Um, mm-hmm. You know, history is most in, in cannabis right now, especially it's mostly oral. Yeah. Uh, it's not written down. Yeah. It's held by different people. They often disagree. They were often young when the history was being made and uh, they often didn't know it was history. Yeah. Like there's a bunch of people out there that were doing what all the famous kids were doing back then uh, that don't remember what they did either, but it doesn't matter because nobody cares to ask them. Yeah. Yeah. That's been a big part of it. You know, um, you know, and so, and so, you know, there's an, I just want everyone to know that like, it's, it's not like when we talk about stuff, there's not, it's, it's not, definitely doesn't have to be necessarily definitive. It's always open for debate. We're always open for new information and stuff like that. And sometimes a lot of times what CSI and Matt and I and others do is we try to match the story to what the plant tells us. Yeah. You know, there's a story where it's like plants don't lie. Yeah. Kind of thing. Right. So, you know, um, so I just wanted to get that out there first because, you know, there's uh, Instagram and, and uh, that's part of the reason why like these lives are cool is because Instagram is actually like a really bad place to debate anything. Yes, it is. The comments are super short. At least on the forums, you could get out some paragraphs or something, Yeah, you know, and you could actually yeah. have a little bit more long form debate. And Instagram is like a paragraph or less of basically like, you know, fuck you, you're a dick. Yeah, that's, fuck that's you, that doesn't match my money motive. Yeah, that doesn't that yeah. doesn't match that. You must have some. Alt- and then most people think that you would act like how they would act, too. So it's kind of. Yeah. Um, you know, it it it. And, you know, and the other part of it that's funny, too, is it's like you. Um, you have an as- aspect too, where it's like, and Matt and I talk about this all the time where the claims of what people have, doesn't matter what family you're talking about, they get earlier and earlier until they're, they actually predate the story. Yeah. And that's common too. In almost every famous weed family. Yeah. It like, it gets earlier and earlier and people get access sooner and sooner until, the generally the person that's generally accepted to start it, there's someone else that has it four or five years before that person. <laughs> yeah. With, yeah. with, you know, and, and so that kind of stuff, Sam Skunk one. that kind of stuff is, is, is tough, you know? So I just, we're not going to talk about that all the time. I just thought I just wanted to throw it out there in the sense that like, we definitely are open for debate. This is actually yeah. kind of like these chats are kind of like conversation starters. 
Yeah. You know, and we're trying to get information out there so that history gets debated. Um, you know, and, and whatnot, you know? So, um, yeah, we call it pre-pre. That pre-pre. That pre-pre. And, and, the, and kind of the way cannabis is, is because you don't get taught by your parents mostly or this or that. You come into cannabis when you come into it. There can be stuff that's like extremely common knowledge 10 years ago that becomes rare info today. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, that, I just, we don't need to spend a ton of time on it, but, um, but there is, there's a bunch of that and you can see it all the time. There's blueberry before DJ had blueberry. Yeah. There's blueberry from, there's blueberry from Alaska that has nothing to do with that. There's, (laughs) you know, there's people that have Kush way early. Yeah. You know, uh, in different states, there's people that can't. So it's all and it's like you don't want to call people liars or mistaken. And in some cases, they might be lying. But in some cases, they might just be telling a story that they were told. Yeah. Or in some cases, they have Hawaiian OG in 70s. Yeah. Cannabis folklore is a good way to put it. There's a lot of folklore. There's a lot of legends. There might be kernels of truth to the legends. And that's not even saying that everything that I say is absolutely true. Like there could be aspects of it where you're mistaken, you know, Mm -hmm. and we tried Matt and I to, to like delineate, like when we went from what we think of as like actual fact to like, now we're kind of like making educated guesses. Yeah. Speculation versus speculations. Yeah. You know, and, um, and so on and so forth. So I just wanted to get that out there that this is definitely a, uh, sort of a venue to start debate. Yeah. And to try to get some facts to debate about. So you can, yeah. you can reach out to either one of us here on discord or wherever, uh, if you want to keep it going or it sparks your memory or anything like that. Just wanted to put that out there. Uh, the, someone go. asked about the Maui dog. I can talk about that super quick just because Maui dog is supposedly a bag seed that came out of a bag of dog bud that was bought in Sonoma County uh, right around the turn of the century, 99, 2000-ish. And they took it to Maui and they creatively named the S1 or whatever it was that came out of that seed, Maui Dog. Right? Mm-hmm. It's also confusing because I made super dog crosses with this other cut called the Maui. And those things got used in Mandelbrot's work and other work. And that's also called um, you know, Maui super dog and other stuff like that. So, but that's all it is. It's just a bag seed from supposed chem 91 bought around 99, 2000. And then they popped the seed on Maui and then they crossed someone crossed that to some skunk on Maui. And that became the skunk dog. I think it was Molokai frost was what Grace Paul said. Something along, something along yeah. those lines, you know, some kind of, Hawaiian skunk. Yeah. You know, so, um, anyway, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of it. And like, there's other topics that we're going to cover in the future that are probably going to create even more debate than that. You know, I would think so. And there's and anytime you get into a debate about something where people have the real cut or they're selling seeds of this, or they have their reputation staked on anything. They only want to talk about stuff that makes them look better. Yeah. It's the rare person that wants to discuss actual history. Most people in cannabis history are interested in like burnishing their own legend. Yes. And so we're trying to do a little something different where, you know, we're not completely just polishing ourselves the entire episode. Yeah. And for, for 
future reference, I, I don't have any tie to chem. Because <laughs> I once said that earlier that I was trying to burnish my reputation with chem. I don't have any ties to chem. None. Yeah. We're going to talk about a bunch of stuff that we don't. I mean, my my personal tie to chem has nothing to do with the creation of any of the famous cuts. Yeah. It just so happens I became uh, best friends with the guy that brought them west. Yeah. That's really. And, you know, so I ended up one of the few, but just by sheer chance, uh, long before it was famous, you know. So um, that's kind of that kind of. Yeah. I mean, there are two Maui dogs. Like I said, one of them is from my work that's Maui super dog. And one of them is a, a potentially a, a dog bag seed crossed to some skunk in in Hawaii. And there, yeah. I think matchmakers also right. There's the dog and Maui dog. And one is Maui dog with one G I think. And then there's the dog with two G's. It's also, yeah, another. it gets even more confusing. Yeah. You know, it's very confusing. It gets very confusing. I believe Maui dog was popped. They said they popped it when they got back home. So it probably dates from 99 or 2000 or something. Yeah. And the one thing I will actually say that leads me to believe that the actual straight Maui dog could be an S1 of uh, um, actual chem dog is that, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I got to see a number of rooms run by our buddy CSI. that were all uh, chem dog 91 S1s. Mm -hmm. And boy, does that Maui dog look like an S1. Yeah, it does. I mean, yeah. is that proof without genetic testing? No, it's not. But it did. Boy, does it, it, it really you could see a bunch of things in that room that looked very, very close to that cut. And yes, and there's the, also skunk dog. Someone just posted about. Yeah. Skunk dog is a child of that cut. Yeah. And then the only and the other part of it that may that may be true is that three out of the four people that I knew of at the time that had a uh, chem dog in California were growing it in the Sonoma area. I just spilled all over myself. I was anyway. I was in Southern Mendo. Uh, Skunk VA was in was in Sonoma then. Um, uh, our buddy from Staten Island was in Sonoma then. So it's it's I mean it's possible you could someone could have bought a bag, you know. Um. So yeah. So what's the first one we want to cover? Do you want to cover the uh, the mom techniques, or do you want to cover long lost strains? We could cover we could cover mom techniques first. That's probably okay. a little bit more concise of a topic. Yeah. Um, so mom techniques are, uh, you know, there's uh, they've gotten a little bit more complex in recent years, right? Which we'll get to in a minute. But basically, uh, the way I always did it was that, you know, if you want to start a new mom, um, I would, you know, let's say you're gonna fill, let's say you're gonna fill your room with with a run and your mom is getting kind of old and tired right mm-hmm. so you you veg up your room and what i would do is that i would pick the healthiest nicest dankest looking vegetative plant in the entire room to be my new mom yeah the one that hurts your heart to not put in the bloom room because yeah. you wish that all of them in the bloom looked like that one in the beginning um, because you always want to start with the healthiest stock you can I believe and, that's in ag, it's called the cultivar cut. And, and moms and plants can get beat up and it can take months or a season or two to get them back to health. So it's always key to keep, um, to keep moms, like to keep the best stock possible. Yeah. I think. 
Yeah. The other thing that not everyone gets to do, but I've gotten to do for the last couple decades is, um, and Shanti does this too, which is kind of cool, is that the sun goes a long way to healing plants. Mm-hmm. So if it's possible for you in your area without being in, getting in trouble or something to put your plant outside with some artificial light in the nighttime in spring and early summer, and you give that plant two or three months of growing outside or in a greenhouse, and then you take cuts off it and bring it back in, that cut will be a lot healthier. Yeah. Um, I think some of that is mitigated now because when, when that tech existed, there was kind of like two kinds of indoor lights, metal halides and high pressure sodiums. And mm-hmm. both of them were uh, pretty limited compared to the sun. Yeah. Now we've got ceramic metal halides and plasmas and a lot more things that you can get like a wider spectrum. You know, so I think that makes that makes a big deal. And then they've talked about it before. But um, one of the ways, like, especially with all this dudding and stuff like that, that's been going on and and viroids, people talk about outgrowing the viroid Mm -hmm. where they try to take cuts off the growing tips. Yeah, because it maybe hasn't moved all its way up to the plant. And that was kind of accepted tech. Uh, But now there's this wrinkle to it where. They actually say that there could be more genetic drift at the tips and the lowers might have uh, less mutations. Who says that? Who says that? I could show you some stuff after the show. Yeah. Um, But it's been coming out. And so now there's like a little bit of a conflict (laughs) of like, you know, less genetic mutations, perhaps, perhaps lower down Mm -hmm. on the plant, but then more risk of disease, if any exist in the plant. Um, But long-term maintenance is hard. Uh, keeping these these plants alive and keeping them happy and healthy for a long time yeah uh, is tough and the larger of a collection you get the harder it is to keep them all happy yeah that's that's for fucking sure so because a lot of times wants and needs yeah, yeah matt can speak to this too somebody like you know if you have a big collection and you're breeding all the time you might have 80 percent of your collection i don't want to stay in stasis but yeah. like you're kind of giving it low light and you're not trying to let it get out of control or grow all crazy. Yeah. And then the 20% of stuff you're going to take cuts off of and use in various breeding projects, you're boosting under better light. Yeah. Because if you boost everything under better light, it's expensive. And then everything grows way too fast. And then you're hacking and slashing and training and doing a bunch of work just to keep them, you know, they outgrow their pots, they outgrow their happiness level um, you know, so mom rotation is a big thing. Yeah. I'm and still a big fan of the, the 10 by 20 tray full of perlite in the bottom, fucking three foot tall clone moms. Ready yeah. to just, yeah. Yeah. I I've been guilty of that one several times, but it's just because it like, like he's talking about, it's a, it's a real easy way to keep things growing as slow as possible. Uh, when you're doing it like that, because sometimes, yeah, it's, it, Keeping moms doesn't necessarily mean you're going to run um, all of that clone stock. A lot of times you're just throwing shit out because you've backed up 10 or 20. Uh, yeah, and you might, only need, mom. you might only need three or four plants, but you take 25 cuts. Yeah. So you can, and then, you know, I was talking to CSI last night and, you know, I mean, the amount of backing up that he has to do versus like the collection that he has as far as moms versus yeah. the pheno hunting that he's doing versus all that it's like it can be kind of exponential yeah it's almost like 80 like think about it's like 80 percent of my uh actual stock that i would keep 
would just be backups of moms and even counting the flower stock, it still seems like all I kept was constant backups of moms. That was the majority of my stock. I see our, I see our buddy radio Ridge uh, on here. And a lot of the stuff that I'm talking about is trying to maintain moms like in a house inside in a garage and limited space. Um, Obviously if you have, if you have a nursery or you have a greenhouse or multiple greenhouses and you can use natural and artificial light, it gets a little easier. Um, But a lot of pheno hunting on that's done in, in cannabis traditionally is a lot of space. So you know. that's a good question. Thoughts on revenging a plant becoming a mom. So I, I instead of doing the outdoor thing that not so much talking about, I like to do the reveg stuff. And I and I tended to do it anyways, because, you know, if I lost, you know, clone stock of a mom that I just flowered out, what have you, or if something was was riding a lot slower than it than it should be, it wasn't as resinous. A lot of times I give it a reveg and it would just give it that little bit of a boost. So I. I I, but I run my, my veg at 24 hours, like all the time. So it's really easy for me to re-veg, you know, somebody's talking about genetic drift off the main shoot. That's part of the issue is that cannabis is just starting to get studied in certain ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of new information coming out and some of our traditional techniques are going to come up against studies and science. And, uh, you know, we're going to have to see how it all plays out. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I always try to take a, when it's, when it comes time to re-vegging for me, yeah. I don't really re-veg. Uh, I re-veg until I can take fully in vegetative, healthy cuts. Yeah. And then I start over. So it's a good plan too. But re-veg is great. It just, it just takes a while. Uh, sometimes uh, one of the techniques that breeders also use is sometimes like when you're pheno hunting, you, um, you might take a bunch of cuts like two weeks into, into bloom mm-hmm. and you, you end up going in there and cleaning up a lot of the lowers, which you have to strip out anyway. And you use those as cuts and then they freak out for four to six weeks. Yeah. But that's actually helpful because it slows down the process and they don't get too big. Yeah. Because if you can't take a ton of perfectly healthy cuts right before you flip, you might have to take cuttings multiple times before you're even done with the cycle. Yeah. If you're trying to keep them small and contained, you know? Yeah. So, um, and there's writ. I mean, the, the euros are really big into revenge. Uh, they would do things like they wouldn't keep any backstock of anything. And then when they found flowers, they liked, they would take that, mo- that plant out of the room and reveg it. Yeah. That's a gamble. <laughs> that's quite a gamble. Yeah. I mean, it is easy to reveg for me because of the 24 hours thing. I never really, really lost a lot of plants in revegging, but I also was a big um, fan of keeping as much bud on the plant um, for revegging because bud would grow out of every, I mean, uh, the reveg nodes would grow out of every single spot on that bud. So the more bud you keep, the better the chance you have. And a lot of people don't like that trade off of like not being able to, you know, cut, cut bud off and smoke it and do all that. But when it comes to a reveg, sometimes it's uh, one outweighs the other. And my, Matt might disagree with me on this, but if I had an inkling that I, I might want to reveg ever, I would typically leave all the lowers on. Yeah. So that yeah. I could chop the plant way back yeah. and take all the well-formed buds off and leave all the larfy, funky stuff as the new tops. And yeah. they're not as far into bud as the rest of it. So it's not as long of a process to get them to snap back and go back into flower. Yeah. I mean, 
for so so what people understand what we mean by, we mean by reveg just so we get uh clear too i'm sure most people understand it but when you when you flip uh you take a, a vegetative plant and you flip it into bloom um that light cycle releases a whole, whole bunch of hormones right yeah. and those hormones are there to like make the plant produce flower and do all the various things it's going to do in bloom well if you stop that process and you throw it back into veg it's got to work all those hormones out of itself right and yeah. that's where you get you'll get a lot of like single blades three leaves a lot of very funny looking growth for a while and you kind of know you're out of it when your plant starts throwing very normal leaf structure uh, without any pistols or any kind of weirdness like that. And it yeah, can take a few it months. Yeah, usually yeah. it does. It can take a few months, um, you know, and the, and the more larf you leave on the bottom, the easier it is. Yeah. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it is harder to get things to re-veg out of main buds. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I usually get a pretty good healthy growth out of all the buds. I mean, um, from, my, from my perspective, maybe I should rephrase it is uh, you get less rot. Yes. Yes, that's for sure. Because you might end up having to go out there and cut out mold because now you've got this like overripe flower that's trying to figure out what it wants to do. Maybe yes. it's dense and you're trying to get vegetative growth to come out of it. And then the bud is rotting around the vegetative growth and you're cutting stuff out. And so, yeah. you know, I mean, it. There's a lot of ways around it. Um, and, you know, just not, not, not only that, like not all strains act the same either. That's for sure. So, um, yeah, you know, the, the killing of the fun, the funny thing we always joke about is like the, the cuts that don't make it in the backup. Those are always the favorites. Yeah. That's a, that's genuine. Generally how it works. That's how the, the one that you're yeah. like, Oh my God, this one is amazing. And you've got like 75 cuts saved and you lost three and it's one of the three. Yeah. <laughs> it can be very frustrating. You know? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. You know, but that's mom maintenance is basically like you can only leave a plant in a pot for so long. Um, there's a there's an arc of health that happens kind of. Yeah. Um, and you can get plants on the upswing and on the downswing. Um, sometimes when you're re-vegging, I should throw this out there, sometimes up potting the plant. And giving the root mass, especially if it's like you pulled it out late, um, giving the plant a bunch of fresh soil to grow new roots into. Yeah. Versus like stuck in the same pot that it's been kind of root bound a little bit tends to help. Do you ever do any root trimming, root ball trimming? Um, I don't usually bonsai my shit. No. Uh, sometimes... I I, every time I've done it, I've just fucking r trashed plants. Like I've tried it. Like, you know, I mean, bonsai is one thing, but fucking trimming up the root ball. I always fuck that up. Always. I cannot trim roots and keep shit alive. I do. I mean, I do think that like when you're transplanting, I do like to take my hands and rough up the edges because unless you're growing in like certain kinds of air prune pots, the, a lot of the top pots tend to, the roots tend to yeah, chase yeah. each other's tail. Right. And so you and so you want to break that up so they so they shoot out new shoots essentially. I'm talking about taking them and like if they're in a fucking five gallon pot, trimming the fucking root ball down to like a fucking three gallon. Have you ever done that? I have not done that. I, I, I've seen people take like bread knives and like yeah. shave. You know, I just, gen I, I just I just generally rough rough it up on the outside and on the bottom as much as I can, and then pop it in. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean it might not work, you know? Um, you know, so there's a, I mean, it's, that's kind of bonsai techniques, right? Yeah. I did a lot of root bonsai in, and- in apartment growing, but I never could get the root mass shit down ever. Yeah. You know, bread knife, that type of thing. But <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, you know, generally speaking, I would say everyone has different opinions on this and it depends on what you're using your mother for. Um, yeah. But you should replace a mom every six to nine months. Yeah. As a general rule, you know, and always, always, always keep the healthiest plant. Yeah. Boosting the end. Like, obviously, if you're not flowering at the point at the point where you decide that you want to reveg a plant, you're no longer feeding it for flower. You're feeding it to be brought back to a vegetative state. So at that point, feeding it more in CalMag, all that shit helps. Uh, a more balanced meal than as opposed to like a flour meal that's low nitrogen. You definitely want nitrogen. And it's going to, it's going to freak out and uh, look weird for quite some time. Yeah. So you have to have some patience, you know, yeah. you, definitely up, have have some patience. you definitely have to have some patience with the revenge, but it's a, it's a useful technique. It's a space saving technique, just like anything else that has its own risks, you know? Yeah. Um, you could be, you could be bringing pests from your flower room that don't exist back into your mom. Room. Yeah. yeah. That could happen too. Yeah. You know? that could be so, a little shit thing. um, but yeah, I mean, mom maintenance is, you know, it, uh, it takes a while for moms to, uh, to build up the right kind of cuts, you know, you kind of start with like a small plant that can give you one or two cuts and it kind of takes a few months yeah. Of training a plant to get like this plant's going to give me like a room's worth. Yeah. Or I've built my plant up to X. So it really does depend on what your goal for the plant is. I mean, I have a bunch of plants and a lot of them, I only need a few cuts off of every now and again. Yeah. So it doesn't do me any good having them in a giant 10 gallon pod and as tall as me. Yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, but people let it get that way. And then sometimes it's really tempting for a grower you see a mom getting super healthy and you don't want to beat the, the, tar, the tar out of it. Yeah. You want to let it boost. You know? So, so while we're talking about mom health and, and, you know, taking cuts, backing up cuts, what's one of the ones that you've uh, lost in that kind of situation where um, you were trying, you thought you had, you know, clones of it backed up maybe and had one mom flowered it out and realized you were fucked um, I've lost all kinds of plants. Yeah. Uh, it, would, it would be hard to pick just one. Um, I'll start maybe like general and then we can go into specifics. Yeah. Most people, even most of my friends have always just wanted to bloom whatever was popular at the moment. Yeah. So it's easy to get Pete, like when, when, the, when it was the diesel craze or the purple craze or whatever, it was easy to get friends to back up Urkel or Mendo P or sour or something. Oh yeah. And then the market changes and they're not growing it for the market anymore. And you're trying to get them to hold on to something for you. So it doesn't get lost and they don't want to give up the space. Yeah. There's a lot of people that try to have the smallest veg they can get away with. Yeah. You know, and it makes and sense. I mean, veg doesn't make them the money. No, it doesn't make them the money, you know, and so I'm not even I'm not even dissing them on it. I'm just saying that, like, that's kind of how it is. And so you, you end up trying to, like, share things with people 
um, that you hope that they love it enough that you can get it back from them. Yeah. And how a lot of these fakes and how a lot of these issues start is you have a real cut. You move on to do some rooms of something else and Mm -hmm. then you go to get it back and it's not it. Yeah. Or they killed it or they were worse at it than you were, you know? Yeah. And so a lot of things got lost that way. Um, people break up, have exes, you know, that mess things up. You get depressed, you move, you have accidents, you have a fire, you get busted. Um, you know, there's a whole host of ways where you lose things. Yeah. And I think every old older grower, uh, every collector, every breeder has probably a list of shit that they wish they still had. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, I have a bunch of stuff that, you know, I was fucking around with when I was in my early and mid twenties that I wish that with my current experience I had right now. Yeah. Don't you? Yeah. There's a, there's a bunch. I love, I mean, especially during the Mooney one where I handed over my whole collection. Yeah. I lost all of it in one shot, you know, luckily, luckily most of that I was able to get back from other people that I backed it up with, but there was still a lot in there that were my own personal selections of my stuff that never see again. And I'm, I'm sure that's probably one of the more common occurring things for breeders is to lose their own personal selections quite often. I would yeah. imagine. And, and the market changes and the, the, what people want to grow changes. Yeah. And you end up chasing something and uh, you know, and then you can't, I mean, look at right now, like, you know, I talked about it on a previous show, but it's like sour was the most popular strain in America for over 10 years. Yeah. And there's massive debate on who's got the real. Yeah. Yeah. And it turns out that most of the people that have it didn't keep it when it was unpopular. Yeah. And they tried to get it back when its popularity came back. Yep. Um, You know, I had a bunch of friends that had the Trinity and we all lost it. And I spent 15 years looking for it and we kept getting it back and it kept being fake. Yeah. Or a hybrid. Yeah. And there's stories like that over and over and over again. You know, what's one of your white whales in terms of something that I lost or in terms of something that I want, something that you've lost that you wish you still had. I had uh, probably next to the Maui, the best thing I ever found in Amsterdam Mm -hmm. of all the pops that I did was I found an amazing uh, black Domino Fino. Yeah, it was peppery. It was frosty. It was extremely potent. Um, and I still think about it. Uh, was it one often. of the purple ones? It was not purple. Oh, it was darker. Yeah, it was darker, but it was not purple. Um, it was very beautiful. It had a really nice kind of long running cola. Um, I, uh, I didn't at the time even realize there was like three or four versions of black Domina. Yeah. I don't um, think they made that apparent. No, it wasn't really apparent, but I bought it direct from Sensi in the late nineties. Yeah. You know, and, um, I had, uh, I had the Warlock. Mm-hmm. I really liked the Warlock Magus, a whole lot. Yeah. Magus seeds. Yeah. yeah, I really liked the Warlock a whole lot. Um, I, you know, I lost this I, and I lost the Super Skunk. Yeah. You know, um, I've lost most things here and there. Yeah. Um, I luckily I share and I don't hoard and close friends have held it, but I haven't been able to find um, the Super Skunk since. Yeah. Um, and you know, skunk VA and some others and stuff. We've been hunting for it for a long time. And, uh, 
the cough, I should, I saw the cough lives. Yeah. The cough, uh, cough two. the cough, the cough. I don't know about if the cough two lives. Isn't it? The, I thought this was the cough two. Mm, maybe we could ask homie if he's on here, but I think, yeah, I think it's cough. And I okay. think cough two is the one that's gone. Um, but you know, one of the things about that is that sadly, if you're, I don't know if, I don't know who, who made that comment or where they're located, but, um, you know, it, uh, the, the NL five hazes have not been nearly as possible or popular on the West coast as they are on the East. Yeah, that's for sure. So they don't get circulated very much. The stuff that got circulated, um, on the West coast was more jet was more the poly hybrids, the jacks, the super silver hazes. Yeah. Um, those are big. Over the, the really famous, uh, there, there he is. Cough two is gone. That's what I thought. Okay. So cough two is the one. That's yeah. gone. So, you know, so a lot of the really famous ones, the only, the only famous one that really made its way to the West coast was when the, the electric boogaloo got renamed the dog shit. Yeah. That one's on the West coast. Almost all the other famous cuts started and stayed somewhere east of the west coast i think even like um one of the versions of the san diego campus is, is like a super silver haze we saw a lot of that but not yeah not a lot of the nl5 haze yeah and uh somebody just asked uh you know how did i lose the super skunk uh i got in trouble yeah and they didn't let me keep anything yeah he got caught at the rest stop it was a real fucked up it was it was a messed up i mean i law it took me i got the vast majority as far as clones go, I got the vast majority of what I lost that day back. Mm. Um, I did not. Uh, the super skunk has been gone forever since. Uh, the super dog, which was my buddy and I's project to blend super skunk and, and chem together. That was gone. The black domino was gone. Um, other things like the flow rider and the Mendo P and, um, you know, the L the, the headband and sours and stuff like that. I had those, I had enough stuff spread out that it eventually all came back to me. Yeah. Um, but there was some stuff that there was half a dozen things that got lost. Um, you it's know, shame, but it, it does, it does force you to move on and uh, go down different avenues, which I think is always a, a plus. Yeah. And I got, we, I got from another mutual friend of ours, we got what we thought was the super skunk back. Yeah. Um, and then I, I got evacuated and I lost it in the 17 fires again. So you know. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it sucked. I God damn it. I thought I, I literally drove out of that property with like the LA between my legs and the Chem D by my feet and a dog <laughs> cutting right next. I mean, I had like six one gallon pots, yeah. you know, and uh, that's what I could fit as I fled. So, yeah, that's fucking wild. It happens. Yeah, you know, but it sure does. Um, I mean, there and there's a bunch of uh, Macintosh. There's a bunch of famous socal stuff um you know that we joke about quite a bit but like the bull rider yeah um the hog's breath um you know there were some things that were kind of common yeah down there at least in terms of being sold and this and that and they've got their legend to them and they're gone yeah hog's breath luckily still around but it's always been kept super tight until the last maybe five years now it's been getting out everywhere, but it, for a long time, it was kept very tight, but bull rider, I've never seen bull rider. Like I've gone down, you know, been <laughs> lived down there for over a decade in San Diego. And it wasn't around even by the time I got there, bull rider was gone. Um, Afghani bull rider was still there, but you always still hear these stories about like the original bull rider and how good it was. 
Um, the closest we have is apparently old Betsy. Um, but yeah, if, if it's anything like old Betsy, it's probably like a skunk one and all five A's type, I think. Matt can speak to this. Afghani bull rider, I think, is a descendant of the bull rider. I don't even know if it if it's been proven to even be a descendant. Um, it might be the same thing with a different name. No, no, definitely isn't the same thing. Um, but I don't know if they're necessarily even descended from each other. It might have just been two things that got similar names. Yeah, I, I would think so. I mean, I, I don't really know much about the dudes who made Bull Rider or uh, Afghani Bull Rider. I mean, there's Jeff Tack and then there's other people who say they did. I don't know. I don't know. But I mean, if, if Bull Rider is anything like old Betsy, then Afghani Bull Rider was totally Afghani dominant and had no traits like the old Betsy, if that makes sense. And I think lots of regions have, um, you know, uh, stories like that of there's plants that are popular that are everywhere. Um, I mean, you know, we're going to save the purple story for another episode and we're going to try to get our buddy on here to chat about it. But yeah. um, But I can say that, you know, in the mid two thousands, like most of the commercial growers, indoor growers, especially up by me in Mendo and Southern Humboldt, they all had Urkel. Yeah. Or yeah, Urkel was everywhere for a long time. Urkel was everywhere. And then it becomes unpopular. Yeah. And like, and there's like four dudes that kept it. Yeah. I mean, I might be exaggerating, you know, maybe there's no, a few but there were so there. few, so few people kept it. Yeah. But that, that's kind of what happens is, is everything's so popular. People can never imagine it going away. Yeah. And then you can't find it. Yeah. You know, and what happens when that's the case? Yeah. And then, you know, there's, there's an aspect to it now where it's like, uh, um, oh, the wheelchair. Uh, that's interesting that JJ had access to the wheelchair. We used to grow the wheelchair. I had some buddies of mine from Chicago that ended up moving out to Boulder and Longmont and some of that area. And they, we all had the wheelchair back then. And, uh, I don't have any idea what it was. Uh, that was kind of an era in the nineties where there was a lot of variety and my, my interest in lineage hadn't sprouted super hard yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was a pretty famous thing in Colorado. There was a Colorado AK 47 that smelled, smelled like sandalwood mm-hmm. and yielded incredible. Um, you know, there's, there was a bunch of good cuts that, uh, that went away. Um, in, in a, in a way, uh, all the name strains that started with the purple craze in 0405, they've all been, I've said it before, they've all been bad for diversity. As yeah. soon as everyone could grow purple and sell it, that was bad for diversity. Yeah, it was. Afterwards, when everyone could grow sour or cush and sell it, that was bad for diversity too. Mm-hmm. Cookies after that, worse. very bad for <laughs> diversity. Skittles, yeah. you can basically name every super popular strain And not only was it bad for diversity, but then once the feminized revolution happened, everybody crossed it into everything else. Yes. And so the era that we're talking about, like in the 90s and the early 2000s, that was sort of like the last era where all good weeds sold. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, I mean, you can talk about, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but like, if you had a bunch of bull rider today, how easy would it be for you to even find a market for it? I, I don't like based on what old Betsy is. I don't think there would be a market for it. Right. You know, so yeah. it's like some, some of these legends that are amazing. It's like, try to sell them. Yeah. You know, the gar, somebody said 
the gar, gar what's that? Is, the gar might live actually the what gar was a like an 11 week garlic bud uh oh. that was in the socal kind of santa barbara ish area uh and it was really good yeah it was really good i bet so um any the trini the trinity lineage i know it exactly uh it's it's bag seed from a bag of headies that a glass blower got in trinity um selling some glass pieces Vitter said they won't take shoreline is shoreline not selling it doesn't surprise me but i mean like if they smoked it they dig it but yeah i, I guess based on what they want and <laughs> the way bud looks that's what's sad people say they want shit until they can't have it and they're like oh i don't know man you know yeah, I mean, we, we're, we're in an era where looks and height matters more than effect. And yeah. a lot of our friends, I see a, a good friend of ours posting on Nobody Wants Cough. You know, there's, a, yeah. there's an aspect of it where a lot of my friends hold on to their favorites, not because they're marketable, yeah. but because they love them. You know? Yeah. Um, and nobody wants them. You know? Bastards. And you're like, you, you know, you grow a room of it, you grow a crop of it. And then if you are going to sell it, they're going to try to hammer you down on price because it's not, you know, Zuki's. Yeah. He just said they won't take it because of the name of Shoreline. They won't take it because of the name. Yeah, I guess it's not Shoreline Flambe or first Shoreline Cookies or, yeah. I don't know about the San Diego green crack. I can't really speak to that. I can say that green crack is most likely a, a, a skunk one pheno. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, um, you know, but I mean, it's, it's one of these things where it's like, and that's an, that's actually an aspect of like the, the, the current market is um, a lot of you, a lot of people, if you buy, uh, if you buy from dispensaries, the dispensary has to want to buy that weed for you to be able to buy it. Yep. And a, and a, and a, a distribution company has to be willing to buy that weed to offer it to the dispensary. Or, so there's a lot of good weed that people don't get to see because they're like, Oh, that, that name is weird. I don't want it. Yeah. You know, but I'll take your, I'll take your starburst. Yeah. Or I'll take your cake or I'll take your whatever, you know? Um, you know, so, uh, I mean, you know, I know. like with the, with the green crack, with, with, uh, vessels talking about too. And you like, whenever I, I hear mango, the first thing I think is usually skunk one, because that's, it's almost everything I've ever smelled with mango has some skunk one dominance in it of some sort for the turps. Um, it, it may not always be the case. Cause I've had like mango, uh, or a cantaloupe mango type pure Afghani from a rat. But typically I would say skunk one is what usually trips that mango turf for me. Someone just mentioned, you know, is, is it because the buyers at these dispensaries are only in their, are in their twenties? No, uh, that's not it. It might be part of it. It's, it's a lot of it is because the dispensaries exist to make money. Yeah. And they want the best deal. They want to make the most money off their shelf space. And so even yeah. in the two fifteen era, there was a lot of stuff that people didn't want to, didn't want to sell. Um, because, you know, you can't really buy a bunch of good sativas and dispensaries. You couldn't sell J1 in San Diego because it was like the, at least during the era I was there, all of the collectives called their like their worst of the worst. They just called it J1. 
like around the downtown area. So people just would not buy J1 anywhere in San Diego after that. It just ruined the whole name for a whole city. And somebody mentioned this too. You're probably right. If, if our, our homie, uh, you know, um, lived in New York city or somewhere mm-hmm. around there where that could be his market, cough might be popular. Yeah. Because there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a decent market for NL5 Hayes type phenos <laughs> over there. Let's see if this has salt in it. <laughs> no salt. Um, snow cap was, yeah, the AK 47, the Pez still exists. Um, there's AK 47 that still exists. Snow cap is kind of a, just a big chunky Afghan. I don't know if that one's still around. It was really grown a lot in Mendo for a while. I think um, we're putting the Pez in, um, in the NL five hybrid round. Yeah. We, we uh, do the hybrids. uh, our buddy CSI still holds it. Yeah. Um, I had it for a while. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, uh, you know, there's the PIF is really NL5 Hayes is kind of really unsellable unless you're on this section of the East Coast. You know, it's not yeah. popular in the West. It's not popular in Colorado. Train wreck. Uh, we could save the train wreck story until yeah, I'll uh, save we, that for CSI. We'll have that. We'll have a buddy on. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, um, but yeah, there's a lot of stuff that that. That, that comes out that has its, it has its name and has its time in the sun. Um, and, uh, the Pez is probably an NL female. Yeah. That, I believe that's what he said it was an NL female. That's why we're moving in the NL five stuff. Yeah. It's an NL female. It's an old NL female. And a lot of this stuff is good. They just, uh, you know, it just doesn't, it just loses, just loses popularity. And then someone's like, I want, whatever I'm growing, I want someone to come to my house. Or if I go take it somewhere, I want everyone to buy it quickly. I think someone's confusing PIF with HP 13 in there. They're not the same thing. <laughs> Definitely not the same thing. Definitely not. Um, I don't know if Brooklyn really likes sativa because they want to be more productive. I think Cubans and Dominicans and, you know, various groups up there sold it a bunch and a bunch of people smoked it and a bunch of rich people and, and elites and, and stars back there wanted it. And then it kind of fueled a haze wave in New York, much like uh, wealthy people fueled a cush wave in LA. Yeah. And then it eventually it, it kind of, it gets a life of its own. Yeah. You know, and I'm not saying that like people might not prefer it, but it's just like, that's the thing is it's like, it's got a market there. Yeah, and obviously does. for a long time that I used to joke that like, you know, you'd go into a dispensary 10 years ago in, in LA and there's like, which one we have 42 strains and 38 of them are Kush. Yeah. Which one do you want? Cause it was just endless. You know, Dickie, <laughs> what's up Dickie? He said, Hayes is rap weed. God damn it. <laughs> I mean, you know, Hayes is uh yeah. Washington Heights. Um, you know, that kind of area, like, uh, the Cuban black, uh, you know, the, the Brown, the Dominican, the, there's a bunch of different names added to it and slang. Uh, some of it was grown in Florida and shipped to, to New York. Um, and, uh, you know, it was kind of one of those things, uh, heard of the Ingrid heard of the Ingrid. I don't know about the Ingrid. What do you know about the Ingrid? I don't know anything about no Ingrid. 
I don't know anything about the N-grade. I mean, the cool thing about uh, the cool thing about sativas um, like NL5 Haze and stuff is they do have a different buzz. And so they, 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 you know, um, they basically like hit you differently. Yeah. And so they're, they're really good. That's the cough. All of them, they all have a really good effect. A lot of times people feel warm, they feel happy, they get a different kind of buzz. Um, A lot of times they're ugly. Indrid cold. I think it's Indrid cold, not Ingrid cold. (laughs) Indrid cold. Yeah. So PIF is not an NL5 haze and different than HP. No, PIF is probably an NL5 haze and HP13 is not related. There you go. So you know, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of different stuff. And so like on the West coast, it's like a lot of people shit on haze because yeah. most of the best phenos of it never made its way out. And the hey, West Gene, coast, the what's huh? Gene, ask, ask Gene what the Ingrid is, or I'll ask him, Hey Gene, what's the Ingrid? Do you know anything about it? It's no, not yeah, what I'd ever heard say of. his buddy had it, huh? Yeah. Um, is Piff the same as Cuban black? It's <laughs> hard to say. There's a number of phenos that float around. Um, and a lot of times, you know, the names get used independently, um, and, uh, of each other, you know, or interchangeably, I should say. Yeah. So, um, I used to think that Piff, Cuban Black, Heights, Hayes, I could name four or five other names were all kind of names for the same strain. And then some people from back there were like, oh no, this one is this. And this one is that, and this is why this is that. And so, you know, it's just another more, more compartmentalized knowledge. Um, here I'll do this one can you explain the difference between HP 13 G13 and 88 G13 HP uh, yes G13 HP is a hybrid with G13 in it and HP 13 is related to neither there you go yeah Cuban black haze is an NL5 haze uh, mostly yes you know there's a number of different nicknames for it um, you know lizard hash plan I have no idea um, you know, but I mean, I love old weed, you know, um, puck and UW. uh, puck is an old hash plant. Um, they used to call it puck because it got, uh, dude used to carry it around in a hockey puck container. It was like a bubble tape, bubble tape, bubble tape container. Yeah. Yeah. Type of thing. And so they ended up calling it the puck. Um, it's an old, ugly, um, hash plant looking thing. Um, and it's mostly famous for, uh, being old. For being old and people keeping it back for no reason. Yeah. I mean, there's, uh, you know, we have some buddies from that part of Colorado and like out of the half a dozen strains that those guys used to run, the puck was one of their least favorite. Didn't mean they didn't like it, but it's always been short, hard to grow notoriously hard to root um but one of it is old you know yeah um how old is the g13 clone that's floating around g13 is one of those things that has a bunch of legends to it neville claimed that the g13 that they sent out to europe got sick and died by 93 or so um, there's been a lot of claims. Most of the G13 that people talk about is actually G13 NL2, which was sold as a line by Neville for some time. I think Matt even got some of those beans yeah. from Neville. Yeah. Um, but G13, and we should deal with this now too. It's like with the NL or G13 
G13 or Haze or any of this stuff. There's all these, the 90s are long ago now, mm-hmm. where these legends, people pop up with this legendary name. Yeah. Right? And even if you're a casual stoner, you might have heard of these legendary strings. Yeah. And then someone pops up with seeds or a clone or this or that. And, you know, a funny story. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they never tend to pop up with the unpopular old weed. No, they don't. It's always the most famous. Airborne uh, is somebody... the G13 and L2. Um, it's a specific selection from G13 and L2 that was looked most like the G13 uh, clone. We had a buddy who very well might have had a very old, old, old G13 in Ohio. It got infected with the virus and I uh, was lost. Um, but there was an old G13 floating around Ohio that supposedly tied back to the 80s. Um, I think Fletcher said that that one was airborne. But sure. there was, yeah, there there was an airborne cut. And um, what was the other one named? I'm Pacifica. Pacific. Pacifica. But yeah. they called it Pacific G13. But that, that I did. I ran, I ran all of those. Um, I ended up making S1s of the airborne and sending those back to Neville to do projects with. Um, I really wasn't a fan of the Pacific G13 Motor Rebel and, and uh, Breeder Clips used a bunch of that stuff. And I, I just ran through a bunch of it and didn't like it. But the, the Airborne, I, I did think was pretty fucking cool. Thunderfuck is a famous name. Um, I, I, I got some quarter pounds from a guy on Dead Tour um, who mailed them from me from Denali, Alaska. And I don't know, 93 or 94 or something. Mm-hmm. And I loved that weed. And every Every Thunderfuck I've seen has been nothing like it since. Yeah. It appears that Thunderfuck was like kind of a catch-all name, kind of like Maui Wowie. Yeah. Maybe. And that there was any number of different things grown under that label. Um, so. Uh, um, yeah. Vessel, that's, that is exactly right. It, it came from the forum days, the Airborne. It was a selection of G13 and L2. Yeah. I mean, I even remember, uh, people like Hempy and Vic High and all that arguing back and forth over whether they were different and what the provenance on, on it was and all this and that. It was, it was, uh, it was a hot debate for a minute, you know? Yep. Um, for sure. You know, and my buddy sub Rob's from Alaska from that area. And he's been shouting from the rooftops forever that like, look, dude, no one ever had the same thunderfuck. Even if you lived during that time in Alaska, no one ever had the same thunderfuck twice. It was never the same. It was never a single cut. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, the thunderfuck that I had, I, I dude, on it, someone asked me what the Terps were like. Um, I was in my teens then and partying a lot and traveling a bunch. I don't remember. I do remember that it was nicer than most of the kind, but I could get at the time. Yeah. I have fond memories of it. Yeah. Um, but do I have a clear memory from 1993, 1994 of what it tasted like? Yeah. No, no I don't. I, I, and you know, I don't. Um, and mostly just because it's really hard to describe terps and nose. It's like one of the hardest yeah. things in wheat. We have a lot of language for visual stuff. We have poor language for smells. Yeah. In my opinion. You know, most of the time when we talk about, now that there's like some terpenes coming up, people start talking about terpenaline or myrcene or this or that. But most of the time people talk about smells, not about like the actual smell, but what mm-hmm. it reminds them of. Yeah. This shit smells like linoleum or pencil shavings. 
or poop or, or a guy's dick like or or skunk you know a guy's or, dick oh man dick. you know yeah. so i mean yeah you, you know <laughs> you probably missed the era to name a strain famunda yeah <laughs> it's probably it's probably not the time for that i don't know i could see a few dudes doing that you could see a few dudes doing that but yeah you have to relate it to something else you know some of them are yeah. really easy like cali o or or tangy yeah citrus is really common you can be like oh that's citrus and everybody knows what what it's like yeah you know some things uh, and and not everyone when they smell things remember oh that smells like pencil shavings from when i used to sharpen my pencil in grade school yeah not everybody has that memory i never i've never seen the dewberry you know csi describes one of um the mendo perpsphenos as I want to say it's either king snake shit or coral snake shit. Oh yeah, like, I've, I've talked to him about it. Yeah, yeah. Like what the that's fuck? A, king snake has actually like. got a very distinctive kind of poo. Yeah, he's like, um, no, it's specific. It's coral snake shit, and, <laughs> and it's very specific. But unless you've smelled it, I mean, yeah, that's kind of what we laugh about with all the euros. Is like skunks don't even exist in Europe. Yeah, so they've they never smelled so road. They've never smelled roadkill unless they traveled over here. Yeah, you know most Americans have smelled a dead skunk at some point. Yeah. You know, cause you drive by and it's very potent, you know? Um, you know, but I mean, that's kind of like, as far as like strains that were law, I, uh, a lot of the hazes, I've been kind of a haze freak for a long time. And I used to think, I honestly, the first four or five times I went to Amsterdam, I was pretty convinced that they had bunk. That it was yeah. all a great marketing kick. And that like my friends and the hippies and the dead tour kids that I knew, we had way better weed than anyone in Amsterdam. Yeah. Right. And then I met some folks and I ended up smoking some of the famous haze cuts. And I was like, oh. Okay. Yeah, he's never been the same since. Ever. Okay. You know? Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, and so but those things, those things are legends. They, you know, they just started circulating in America the last couple of years. Um, but I think NL5 Haze is famous for a reason. Um, here's one. Super, huh? Here's a, here's a good one for you. How do you feel about Shanti Baba's work these days? I will admit that I poke less holes in Shanti's work than most of my friends. Uh, I would say that's probably accurate. Yeah. Um, you know, I I think that one of the cool things that Shanti Baba has done is he has not really mixed a bunch of his work with everything new. You know, mm-hmm. um, and so if you want to get some stuff that at least has a bunch of old genetics, um, there's a lot of that on offer through him. Yeah. You know, sure. it might take more work to find something that you want out of it. Um, it's, it's a huge debate as to like what he still has and what he's lost. Yeah. You know? Um, and there was always a lot of junk in the Amsterdam stuff. Yeah. Amsterdam stuff, in my opinion, had a low floor and a high ceiling, you know, which is not how people like it today. People like a high floor. Yeah. They want to get a lot of average weed or just above average weed that looks pretty nice. Yes. There was a lot of shit I popped from same as seed banks back in the day that was ugly and shitty. Yeah. But then there's phenos that popped out of that that people still hold today that are amazing. 
you know? Yeah. So I can't really, I can't really say, uh, I think that there is real stuff amongst, uh, Shanti Baba's work. Um, I think there's a bunch of junk in it too. I don't think that's like an indictment of him necessarily. Um, it's indisputable that he bought Neville's old seed stash. Yeah. And it's also indisputable that he worked with Neville and Neville gave him a number of breeding cuts. Yeah. So he's one of the few people that can actually claim to have access to some of that old stuff. Yeah. Um, But I also think the, uh, you know, the times have passed him by and people don't go to him very much anymore and they're not searching through his stuff very much. Yeah. Um, And, uh, you know, he kind of, I mean, if you think about it, he came out with Neville's Haze, Super Silver Haze, and Mango Haze in, what was it, 97 or 98? Yeah, somewhere around there. So he's, and he came out with White Widow. He's made some really big contributions to the cannabis world. Sure. They're just mostly multiple decades old. Yeah. I, you know, with, with, with Shanti, I found that, like, if I want to, to find a longer flowering line that, that is going to have some... Um, going to have some uniqueness to it turf wise and and genetics wise he's a great place to go and granted you'll have to to dedicate a lot of space to a good sized pop because it is older stuff it's not like it, it hasn't been bred for the past 30 years fucking just for resin production and just for thc potency and testing and but if you want to find good old like heady sativa shit his his stuff is some of the best places to start I agree um, with Gene. He said the mango has, haze is fire, fire. Yeah. Uh, yeah the mother cut that, that thing there. is based off of is my favorite cut of NL5 haze. I would love, love, love if it ever appeared in America. Um, you know, and, you know, his his white widow, especially in the 90s, and his white family kind of changed the game. Yeah. Um, I could also, you could you could say, too, that since since regular seed lines are becoming rarer and rarer, uh, if you wanted to actually start doing some back crossing and you needed a male pollen donor, he offers all regular seed lines. Yeah. Um, and I, what I was going to say is that if, when it comes to his Afghani lines and his more Indica type stuff, I have not had as much success with that stuff as I have with his uh, haze, haze lines. I like the hazes. Somebody, uh, somebody just said his Shanti shit line is white hot fire. Uh, I'm glad you found something you liked. Yeah, yeah. Because sure. I ran through some shit and I thought it was pretty shitty. Yeah, um, but I that it just stunk one. <laughs> but that just that just goes to show. Yeah, that right. you know, uh, you know that um, you could run through a few hundred seeds and it's all bunk, and then one guy gets one pack and finds something that they think is amazing. Yeah, and and some people will find like like pop skunk one stuff that haven't experienced skunk one so much and be like, this is fire. You know, it's possible. Totally. Yeah, and definitely if you're looking for sativa based lines um, that are, that are workable, Shanti has that. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's um, you know, that I like him more than most, you know, but we all have our, like, we all have our favorites. From- I liked him until that last dealing where I wanted to buy some shit and he was all weird. Yeah. You know, I mean, he, he, uh, you know, I, I tend to think, I mean, but that's, it's, you can, you can get a bunch of us together and start talking about, about which old character from the nineties you think is the least shady. And it's hard to get anybody to agree. Yeah, that's very true. I tend to lean into the Shanti Neville camp. 
Yeah. There's people that are very into Dave Watson, Sam Skunkman. Um, there's, you know, it's, you know, there's people that are very into a lot of these old guys, you know, it's, it's kind of like, imagine people debating all the people that we know 20 years from now. Yeah. You're going to have your camps. Yeah, for sure. You know? Um, okay. So real quick, someone asked about the NL five stuff, cause I'm getting tired and we're going to have to cut it kind of early, but, um, the NL five stuff. So we have three main cuts that we're going to like let out a little bit. Um, one of them is the bubblegum pheno that I've talked about before. Um, it is more bubblegum than bubblegum. The, the cut that, that me and CSI and a bunch of others use. Um, it is extremely pink bubblegummy and loud with the pink bubblegum. Then we have a lot of pineapple, a lot of tropical. There was a specific citrus cut that we kept cuts up. And, um, well, we kept cuts of everything, but as far as like things that we thought are, are keepers in terms of what is considered keepers nowadays are the bubble gum, the citrus, and then one that we just called the rank stank just because there's no good way to describe it yet, but it's, it's rank as fuck. So those are the three main, like, if you're going to be pulling for r- really cool shit that you want to find, I, I all three of those are pretty fucking rad. Um, the, the taste transfers a little bit better than the, uh, Indiana bubblegum cut. I will say that, but, um, those are the three main ones that we kept, but there's a lot of different offerings in it. it is, it is a very varied line. So yeah, hopefully that helps. Um, if you're a part of the Patreon, if you're part of the breeder syndicate, Patreon, um, you can go right now and buy it back. Uh, you just have to have backstage access. If you're a part of the Patreon and you still can't see it on riotseco.com and get a hold of me and I'll make sure that your account is hooked up so you can do that. And yeah, me and Gene just made a comment that I think deserves to be highlighted. Maybe he said, What's I don't that? believe in people. I believe in dank. Yeah. We have this phrase we use all the time that plants don't lie. Yeah. And so some of our like chem dog talk and some of that other stuff that we were doing earlier uh, in previous episodes was kind of about our speculation on like what the plants are telling us versus the story. Yeah. And dank is dank. Not everybody agrees that every cut is dank, obviously. Um, but most elites, a decent amount of people think this weed is fire. Yeah. You know, um, and you know, in all honesty, you're, you're no comments on the Elvis, uh, the fucking, I, just don't, uh, I, I don't think anybody really knows what the Elvis was. I ran the cut for a long time, gave the skunk master flex and never saw it again. But, um, I, as far as what it was, it could be an NL five haze, but it just, nobody really knows. I, um, I don't have a lot of backstory on the Elvis. It's one of those ones. It's not like we're trying to ignore it. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, it sometimes it's, it's not like we're an encyclopedia on just about everything. Um, yeah, Elvis yeah. is a famous cut. Um, but you know, got passed around i don't think have you ever grown it yeah yeah i've never that, grown, i've never it, grown it so i have i have very little actual like intelligent discourse on that one so we're not ignoring you mine came from ms elvis on thc farmer back in the day who was a dude that had um he had the regular elvis cut and then he had one called the the pink cadillac cut and he gave mm. me both of them and it i thought it was dank for the time but i don't know if it would be considered dank nowadays and I think, uh, I don't know, we can talk to, we can talk to CSI, you know, he takes a ton of pictures. Um, there could be some pictures coming of uh, more pictures of the NL 
Oh yeah, there's uh, tons more coming to the NL fives and of, the different ones of the various of the various rooms. That's one of the coolest things about CSI is that he's pretty transparent um, about uh, you know about his process and stuff like that, and so people will be able to get to see Finos, yeah, and, and things of that nature fairly soon. So um, watch Dank nowadays. Um, to me, I'm more of a classics kind of person, um, but. What's dank is what you enjoy smoking. Yeah. Honestly. That's really what it is. What, whatever jives best with your brain chemistry. This weed is dank. Yeah. It means I like smoking this weed. And then if enough people decide that weed is dank, it generally gets popular and becomes an elite of some kind. Yeah. It's gotten confusing uh, with legality because everyone wants to have the dank and everyone wants to have white hot fire and everything that they're growing is an elite of an elite. And all so, they get is fucking wedding cake. So fuck them. <laughs> so it's, you know, so yeah, it's, it's, it's become a lot modern marketing rather than like crowd testing. Yeah. For, for lack sure. of a better term, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, they, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff that, that I have and some of the stuff I've been sharing with CSI and, and others and stuff like that, it's just like old favorites. It worked yeah. with me really well. So I held on to it you know um and i mean it's a shame it's a shame that we don't have a catalog of all the old strains and all the old eras and seed stock and cutting saved and all that because the collection we would have of diversity from even 1990 to now yeah which is only you know 30 years um or 32 years jesus but would be pretty insane yeah are you feeling hella old after saying that you know, what made me feel old is I saw this thing that said that right now the we're far, we're as far away from the nineties as we were from the sixties in the nineties. And that made me feel old. Yeah. yeah. That'll do it. That made me feel old. Um, you know, I have a, I have a 23 year old daughter and she does a great job of making me feel old Yeah, all the time. You know, I'm regularly reminded how ancient I am. You should feel old. You're old. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not that old, really. I'm only no, in my 40s, you know? No, um, that's the new 20. But when I was 22, I probably th- I thought a 45-year-old dude was hella old. Yeah, I, dude, I thought 40-year-old was hella old until I was fucking 38. And then I started thinking, rethinking that. <laughs> yeah, you know? And so, but I mean, that's what's cool about it, right? Is that there's a lot of people now, maybe we'll, I don't know if we'll end on this, but I should just say it. The 90, the eighties and nineties and the early two thousands are long enough away now that we are getting a deluge of ancient, amazing lines and seeds and cuts from all over the place. Right. And somehow when I was searching for these things like crazy 10 years ago, I couldn't find most of them anywhere Yeah, because they were unpopular and nobody could make any money off them and they were fucking nowhere. Yeah. Now that there's like a whole new generation that, you know, um, all of a sudden it's like all this ancient stuff that you heard about or you read about in high times or is, you know, like skunk one is new again. Yeah. Oh, what's this? What's that? What's piff? Even this, even this like laughable debate over who's got real sour or thunderfuck, you know, sour is old enough now that there's a bunch of smokers that grew up in the, you know, if you came, if you started smoking weed in the last 10 or 12 years, you were in the cookie Skittles cake dessert era. Yeah. 
you might not have smoked a bunch of, and most people sour diesel, they think the real sour is the first one they smoked. Yeah. It doesn't always. mean it was the real one. It just means it was their first personal experience, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, green merchant, you know, uh, most people don't know that green merchant, they raided every hydro store in the United States. Um, we used to go to hydro stores in a friend's car who didn't grow in case our license plate get got written down. Yeah. That was, that was the kind real, of, yeah, there was, it was a real issue. You had to find yeah. a friend who you could pay, who was willing to take some risk and drive you to the store because no one ever wanted to be in the in, near the store with a license plate tied to a grow. Yeah. You know, so part of the gig, part of the gig, you know, right. I'm trying to think if there was anything else I had to plug. I'm so fucking tired. Um, that NL five's up. Um, NL five will be up for Monday for everyone who else who wants to buy it. That's not a part of Patreon. It'll be up on Monday. So check the rightseedco.com site for that. Um, pretty soon we'll have some Hawaiian lights stuff as well as some um, crosses with some of Nazo stuff on the Hawaiian lights. So keep posted on that. And I think uh, other than that, I think we're oh, check out speakeasy.com. Uh, they've been helping us get these podcasts up and fast. So check out their stuff. Anything else, Nazo, from your end? I mean, obviously, we you know normally we chat longer. Matt's tired. We'll cut it a little short tonight, which is fine. But we're we're going to be doing this every Friday, and we're going to be trying to bring people together. We're super open to ideas. Yeah, Gene. Gene's next Friday. Gene's next Friday. Everyone, go go DM him about it. He wants to come on next Friday. Okay, so yeah, I mean, we're we want to bring friends on. We want to bring community on. We basically <laughs> yeah. just want to bullshit about weed and try to get a bunch of advertising out there. And sort of flip the script, which is like 98% self-promotion and 2% history and kind of yeah, reverse it. Flipped it. We yeah. flipped it. It's 98% history and bullshitting and 2%. 2% self-promotion. 2% self-promotion, you know? <laughs> and because uh, you need a little self-promotion to keep the whole movie going. Yeah, um, we do. But in general, but in generally speaking, um, you know, the... Um, Kale, uh, CSI will have a bunch of pictures up about he ran multiple rooms of the Northern Lights. He'll have yeah. a bunch of pictures of Finos that he's popping up as him and Matt start to sell some of it. He saved a bunch of the work. He crossed to various selected Finos. He's got some open pollination work. He really is a very thorough man when yes, it comes to breeding. Um, so we're trying to lock all this different stuff in. And, um, you know, and, you know, so, yeah, ask us questions. You can ask us questions on the Discord. You can always DM us. You can ask us questions in the posts. And we really do take those into account. when We're trying to think of what we want to talk about because yeah. we want to talk about stuff that's interesting. You know? Yep. Yeah. So, that's all we care about. So it's going to be a little shorter. Uh, hopefully next week, if we'll lock in Gene and we can talk about a bunch yep, of stuff Gene. like that. Next week, plan on it, Gene. You know, Everybody, and, and I'll say this, you know, uh, Gene lives in, I, I don't want to call it my neighborhood, but like we live in the same county. Um, I've lived here since 98. He was born and raised here. Uh, you know, his, his, uh, his parents were weed farmers. And so there's a certain amount of history and just sameness that comes with growing up in the same era yeah, and the same people and stuff like that. So maybe we could talk a little bit about some of his own work or some of the guerrilla stuff or some of the phases of what it was like trying to get yeah. away with it. Um, definitely into the same kind of dudes, which I appreciate. They always have a similar taste in men. Yeah. We have a, we have a similar backstory. 
Yeah, there you go. Similar. (laughs) We came from similar eras and a lot of those eras, they're only stuck in your memory. Yeah. So if you don't have other people to talk about them, they're just stuck in your own head. There you go. Anyway, ask a bunch of questions, ask a bunch of follow up questions. Hit us up on our discord on the Breeders Syndicate discord. Hit us up on IG on the DMs. Uh, Questions that pop into your head from any conversation. Keep it going. Keep it talking. You know? Yeah, and and and, even, and if you think that we've said something wrong, question it, question it. Yeah, hundred percent. should question everything. We're not we're not talking down to anyone or anything like that. We're trying to get information out there and debate. Yeah, and I'm often wrong. Not so I'm all, I'm often wrong though. So question everything. I fucking say I'm half awake. <laughs> all right. Indeed. Cheers, everyone. Well, good night, everyone.